down for me? You know, it's a, when you have a, uh, we have several families are gone uh, today for one reason or another, but I would like to uh, just say a congratulations. We'll, we'll make it uh, in person here next week, but Brother Grant Woods, uh, his family is at Stockton celebrating him and his graduation from Christian Life Center. So we can't wait to, uh, can't wait to have little Grant back with us. Amen. Amen. I would like to just start off uh, this morning. I have a couple of photos that I would like to share with you that are, you know, today is uh, pretty important. Right? Because without, without a mother, where would we be? But I would, I would like just, uh, Brother Jay, if you would, I would like to put up there um, the, uh, the photo of uh, the ribbon cutting. No? There you go. All right, there's a... Uh, Mother's Day, I know it's hard to believe, but Mother's Day 15 years ago, 15 years ago was our grand opening, and uh, because it fell on Mother's Day, we dedicated it, uh, we called it Sister Ruth O'Daniel Day, and uh, that is uh, Sister Ruth, of course, and and, uh, Brother Leo and uh, Sister Anna. And uh, if you would, uh, Brother Jay, go to the, the bulletin. I had a uh, copy of the bulletin. There it is right there, Sister Ruth O'Daniel Day. It was, it, Mother's Day that year was May 14. And uh, I just want to uh, give honor to Sister Ruth and uh, Brother and Sister O'Daniel because uh, Sister Ruth actually She uh, tells a story about how that she had a dream and she dreamed that there would be a new church and it would be packed out. And so, there you go, 15 years ago. Don't know where the feedback's coming from. And then, I would also like to, um, there's a picture, Brother Jay, there's a picture of Sister Hazel. I'm Using Sister Hazel's Bible, this is Kathleen's mother. I think some of you remember Sister Hazel, great lady. And uh, Brother Jay, I, I took a picture of the the Bible so people could see it. You might think maybe she did some reading in this book. Now, I know duct tape is used for a lot of things, right? But. And, and I don't know if this is duct tape, but it's awful close to it. That, my friend, is a well-read Bible. I don't know how many of yours look like that, right? I've got a couple that I trade them in on new ones, kind of like I do cars before they get like this. But I would just like to say uh, I, I just wanted to honor those very, very special ladies and while uh, I was going through Sister Hazel's Bible, I found a uh, I found a poem that goes on a Bible marker that goes right along with with what uh, we're going to be speaking on, and it reads like this. By the way, Sister Kathleen did a great job on teaching this morning, and yes, you might hear a little bit of a repetition and. When I, uh, when I speak this morning. But it's called, this is called Two Temples. It says, Mother, Two Temples. A builder builded a temple. He wrought it with grace and skill, pillars and groins and arches. All fashioned to work his will. Men said, as they saw its beauty, it shall never know decay. Great is thy skill, O builder. Thy fame shall endure for a. A mother builded the temple. 
with loving and infinite care, planning each arch with patience, laying each stone with prayer. None praised for unceasing efforts, none knew of her, her, of her wondrous plan. For the temple the mother builded was unseen by the eyes of man. Gone is the builder's temple, crumpled into the dust. Low lies each stately pillar, food for consuming rust. But the temple the mother builded will last while the ages roll. For that beautiful unseen temple was a child's immortal soul. There you go. Something tells me that that bookmark, uh, which is pretty much almost as used as the Bible itself, something tells me that when she was reading her Bible, her heart was with her children. Amen. And so I, I hope you don't mind, uh, but, you know, Mother's Day just is one of those times that uh, if especially... If your mother is no longer with you, it tends to bring some very, very fond memories. And, and uh, those, are, those are saints of God that are no longer with us. But I, for one, I will never forget the impact that they had upon my life. And their... Every once in a while, their stories are worth repeating. Don't you agree? Sure they are. So with that, we're going to call your attention this morning to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 1, and uh, we're going to read verses 2 through 7. And here we go. This is Paul writing, of course. He says, To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, Paul has adopted him. Amen. Do you have any adopted kids? Definitely and I have a few. He says, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers, with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Now... Paul is no longer, they say, that he's no longer in his quartered home, per se, that he was able to freely traverse back and forth. But they say at this point in time that he is in what they called the maritime prison. And uh, actually, Sister Kathleen and I, we visited that place. And the only way you get in and out of there is a hole in the ground. And he says, so understanding where he's coming from, the environment that he's coming from, where his heart's at. He says, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. He says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you. In other words, unmovable, unstoppable steady as you go kind of faith. He says, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois. Got any grandmas here today? Don't be bashful. You have your grandma right. Amen. How many? Do, we got any great grandmas? Wow, you guys are great. Wow. But he says, in other words, he's saying, you know, Paul... Paul is really making a point here that we're going to get into. He says, Timothy, I love you. You're my adopted son. But i got to give honor to how you got here in the first place. He says, because I know your faith is, is intact. He says, but I also know that that faith dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
And I'd like to speak to you this morning on this thought, a mother's legacy, a mother's legacy, and you may be seated. My mother would be 90 years old if she was still alive. We think that she made it through the 8th grade. Both her and my dad were not absolutely positive of that. 8th grade education, got married at 18, had seven children by the age of 33, two of whom would be born with a disability and become a widow at the age of 35. She would become a widow at age 35. She would pass away at the age of 62. Her legacy she leaves behind to me. Work hard. Be a good provider. Make lots of friends. Her words she leaves behind are printed on her obituary, which... I carry in my Bible. In June of 1992, one year before she passed away, she wrote these words. She says, I love you, Jesus, with all my heart. I love you right from the start. You reached out and touched me and talked to me. You gave me another chance to live and to be with my family. You took away the pain and sorrow so I could have and see more tomorrows. I love you, Jesus. This was written one year prior to her decease after recovering from being in a coma for about one week. God would raise her up and give her one more year. See, the legacy focus on what will endure. It's about passing on things of lasting value to those who will live on after us. Legacy involves living intentionally and aiming to build into the next generations for their success. The author, Mark Batterson, tells it like this. He says, legacy isn't measured by what we accomplish in our lifetime. It's measured by the fruit we grow on other people's streets. It's measured by the investments we make in others that are still earning compound interest 20 years later. Think about that for a moment. It's not about what you accomplish in your lifetime. It's not about your trophies on your desk and your accomplishments and your certificates on your walls. It's about the legacy that you leave behind and the next generation that you've influenced as to what kind of lives are they producing. Abe Lincoln would grow up as a kid, dirt poor, raised mostly by his mother. He would go on to become the 16th president of the United States Lincoln is portrayed as a self-made man, the liberator of the slaves and the savior of the Union. Ultimately, in doing so, his devotion to his country would cost him his life. What legacy did Lincoln leave behind? In recent C-SPAN surveys from 2000-2017, he is ranked as a number one president in history, George Washington is number two. And the legacy Lincoln leaves with us in part, the words that he wrote, I'm not going to quote all of them, just pieces of it. The legacy he leaves. The words spoken at the dedication of the National Cemetery at Gettysburg. Here's a few of those words. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. That from these honored dead, we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last 
full measure of devotion. That we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Why bring this up? Abe said this, All that I am, or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. And even though our official Mother's Day was first recognized, I believe it was 1908, you can trace its roots from the aftermath of this war. Around 1870, a lady by the name of Julia Howe called for a Mother's Day for peace, dedicated to the celebration of peace and the eradication of war. Hal felt that mothers should gather from both sides of that war in order to prevent the cruelty of war and the waste of life since mothers of mankind alone bear and know the cost. And this morning, I would like to begin as part of my thought here this morning, I would like to honor a Kellogg High School classmate, a mother friend who passed away in January of 2020. Her name is Holly. Holly's final resting place will not be in Gettysburg, but instead she will be placed alongside her daughter, Leslie, in Arlington National Cemetery. Both mother and daughter are receiving full military honor. Her daughter, Leslie, was one of the Virginia Tech students shot and killed on April 16, 2007. 27 students and five teachers would lose their lives that day by a madman. Talking to her husband, Tony, he said, Holly never fully recovered from this tragedy as only mothers could know. He says, Holly never fully recovered from this tragedy and her early decease was in part, at least, to a broken heart. The words that her husband describes as Holly's legacy are like this. She says, Holly was an extremely brilliant person of many and varied talents. Her greatest legacy is that she helped a lot of people in very quiet and selfless ways and raised two wonderful daughters. Her resume in part is she served a full Navy career as a Naval officer with assignments all over the world retiring as a lieutenant commander. What she leaves behind, from my perspective, can be represented by a particular piece of art that she made, created, and was given to me as a gift. Could you? Put that lion up there, Jay. This is a work of art that Holly, in addition to her many talents, she was an artist. She presented this to me at our 45th class reunion here a few years ago for the Kelly, Sister Beth, Kathleen were part of that but and I I was very very surprised but I wanted to know because there's there's actually gold in there it is a tempered tile glazed with gold and I said Holly tell me the process how 
Could this thing come into being? She says this. She says, well, it went through the fire seven times at 1,800 degrees. She says a lot of times they don't make it through it. She says it went through the fire seven times at 1,800 degrees. And I, my jaw just dropped on the ground. I just, what? And that really is what every mother at times goes through in life. It's what they go through in life. And little did I know, as I was putting this together and talking to her husband, Tony, he says, number one, he says, I can't, can't believe you're going to honor Holly tomorrow. I said, well, it's Mother's Day. He says, but here's the real deal. He says, tomorrow is Holly's birthday. Wow. He says, it must be a God thing. <laughs> but... That represents so much at times what mothers go through. See, my dads don't. We don't get it. We don't, you know, we don't carry the child around for nine months, as Sister Denise, how'd she put it, and see the shadow of her being or something crazy thing, right? And if you've ever been, dads, if you were in the delivery room at the time your child was born, you walk away and you do understand there's, there's a real definition of labor and it's not with a pick and shovel. <laughs> because when the children are sick, they still take care of the kids. When they are in danger, their first instinct is their children. When there's not enough food to go around, mom goes without. Motherhood is the ultimate life of sacrifice and serving selflessly. So getting back to our scripture, that's the way Paul starts out in his second letter to Timothy. He says, Timothy, my dear son, I constantly remember you in my prayers, and I cannot wait to see you again. He says, I am reminded of your unfeigned faith, sincere faith. I want you to know this morning that your faith is an encourager and a strength giver to those around you. Your faith and I know we're speaking to mothers here today. But dads, it's your faith that ultimately will be the proving ground for the next generation. It's not how much money that you put into the coffers. It's not the car that you drive or the house that you build. Because that will go away just like the little poem that I read. Yeah. But it is the faith that you instill into your children and that next generation that is going to impact the world and change it for the better. Timothy, Paul said, Timothy, uh, he says, I, I remember you in my prayers, trust me. And he says, I can't wait to see you again. And he says, your faith, I'm... I'm reminded of the steadfastness of your faith and I want you to know how much joy that it brings to me while I'm in this dungeon. He says, but I'm also reminded you did not get here on your own, son. That it came from that faith that was first found in grandmother. And grandmother had enough of it that she passed it on to her daughter, your mother, Timmy. And now you are the man that you are because of the faith that came from grandma and mom down in your shoes. says, and I am persuaded 
that that faith lives in you. And it's for this reason I remind you. He's talking about that faith. He says, in this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Faith. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, cowardness, and fear, but He has given us a spirit, faith, a spirit of power, love, and of self-discipline that, that was handed down by your mother to you, and it was handed down to your mother by your grandmother. That is why that we honor those special ladies this morning. Amen. Where would we be without a Sister Ruth? Where would we be without a Hazel? You see, there are so many examples in the Bible Sarah suffered guilt. She went through that refining process. Sarah suffered guilt and she suffered jealousy that was brought on by Hagar. She was barrenness until she was 90 years old. But through faith she conceived. Through faith a 90 year old woman, a mother-to-be was able to carry that child around for nine months at 90. And God gave her the strength. To give birth at 90 years of age. The son of promise. Sarah would not be around long enough. To meet her two grandsons. Esau and Jacob. She would not be around the day that Jacob came limping home and, and uh, say, hey, Grandma, guess what? God gave me a new name today. My name is Israel. Was it worth it, Sarah? Was it worth it? Waiting and, and waiting and waiting for the promise that God put into your life. Was it worth it to give birth to the promised son Isaac? And then finally, Isaac would give birth through the, he would give birth to a son by the name of Jacob. And God said, Jacob, I love what's in you. I love that faith that keeps reaching out for more. He says, I'm going to name you Israel. Was it worth it? How about Jacobed, however you pronounce her name? Living in slavery, but still managed to impact her kids. Moses the prophet, Aaron the first high priest, Miriam the worship leader. I wonder if she was able to pick up the morning newspaper and read about how God was using her kids. Then, then there are the words of Rachel. Give me children. Or else I die. Would her prayer give birth to a major development in the plan of God? She would give birth to Joseph the dreamer. And die giving birth to Benjamin the firstborn son in the promised land. Unlike her husband Jacob, she would never see the day when her son Joseph would be second only to the king of Egypt and ultimately through the province of God save the entire nation of Israel who was small at that point from famine. Was it worth it? Was it worth it, Rachel? Are you with me? So we go back to Paul's words in 2 Timothy 
we find Paul giving honor not just to Timothy, his adopted son in the gospel, but also to his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice, because Paul understands that, that our living faith, our lives directly affect three generations while we are still alive. At some point, your life will impact three generations. They will impact your generation. Yes. You will impact your parents. And generally speaking, you'll have an impact on your grandparents. Your grandparents will have an impact on their daughter, on their children, and they will have an impact on their grandkids. The mothers will have an impact still while they're living on their grand, on their, on their parents and on their children. You understand that your life, the Jesus reminds us, Paul reminds us in the, in the, the writings, your, your life is not your own. You are bought, you paid, you were bought with a great price, the blood of Calvary. You do not belong to your own. You are here not just to, for your own salvation, but you are here. You are your parents' legacy. You are your grandparents' legacy. You are here to impact not just your generation, but you're still reaching even for your grandparents' generation and for your parents' generation. Because when they see you, oh, they understand that they, you are a product of their labor and their life and their faith. See, most of us at one time were alive when our grandparents and parents were living. How many of you were alive when your grandparents were alive? Go ahead, sure. Sure you were. I never had an opportunity to meet my grandparents. I've told you the story. I met one, one grandparent on my father's side, my grandfather on my dad's side. I met him one time when I was 11 at my father's funeral. I had no grandparents. That's why probably Brian and Autumn have such a challenge with me today. <laughs> you understand, is it? Oh, trust me. When you get, when you mature in age and you yourself become a parent and then a grandparent, you understand all three levels of what Paul is trying to bring out here. He's saying, hey, I want you to know, just because you're a grandparent, your faith does not retire. It's still being read. It's still being looked at. Your grandkids are looking at you and they're saying, oh, Papa, Mama, Grandma, I, there's something that I love about you. And it's not your money. How we live, how we live today has an influence, good or bad, on our grandparents, our parents, and ourselves. Three generations that I am impacting today, right now as I live. I'm quite certain Lois would not live long enough to witness how her faith impacted her grandson, Timothy. Oh my goodness. She will probably never hear the words written about her faith until she walks the streets of gold. And I can say, you're Timothy's grandma! Oh, so so you're you're the one Paul wrote about. It all started with you. I wonder if it was easy. 
I wonder if it was easy for Lois and Eunice. I wonder if they had battles. I wonder if they went through the fire at times. I wonder if they, if their faith was ever tested to the very brink, to the very edge. And yet there it is for the world to read and to take note. You see, because there are some things in this present life that have eternal influence. Paul calls them the big three. 1 Corinthians 13 and 13, he calls them faith, hope, and love. In chapter 12, Paul teaches on the different gifts and how they are related and operate as one body. And then he goes ahead and he talks about the fivefold ministry named here in Corinthians and also explained a little bit better in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. He says the ministry is for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. But then he closes out 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, verse 31. He says, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. The Amplified Bible reads like this, as he's closing out, trying to explain, telling people, get, if you want a gift from God, go for it, hunger for it, thirst for it. He says, but earnestly desire and zealously cultivate the greatest and the best, the higher gifts, and the choicest graces. And yet I will show you a more excellent way. One that is better by far and the highest of them all. He says the one you really need to go for. He says you need to go for love. Amen. We don't discount gifts. If you have, God gives you the gift of faith where you can do you where he allows people to be healed under your ministry. Or whether you give prophecy in tongues or interpretation of tongues or whatever it is, Paul says, he says, listen carefully. He says, but sooner or later, those gifts, when that which is perfect, that those will go away. They will not be needed. He says, but there's three. There is three that have eternal significance. They will never end. They will always be even in eternity. The big three, he says, faith, hope, and the one you really need to go after. Love. The highest of them all. You see, faith is the power within us which makes the things of another world seem as real to us as the things of this world. That's pretty strong, huh? Reach out and touch that chair. That's the world. Faith says... The things I don't see, they are just as real to me as that chair are. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. NIV says faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. You see, faith has an anchor that is attached to the rock and that rock is Christ Jesus, my Lord. Faith, unmovable, unmovable, knowing for positive Jesus Christ is the invisible God, manifest in flesh, ascended back into the heavens after he completed the fulfillment of the death, burial, and the resurrection, defeating death on for us, Brother Mays. And he rose again. He ascended out. I believe that as strong as I believe that this is made out of whatever it's made of. I'm not going to want to. I believe just as strong in the resurrection and the power of Jesus Christ as I see in the real world today. Faith, though. Faith has got an anchor. That anchor is hope. Hebrews 6.19 
I'm talking about three things that have eternal significance. I'm talking about the legacy that mothers that you need to you, you listen. I, I know how important it is for you to have a home and clothing and stuff. But please, please, the real thing is the eternal value of what you're putting in your children. And that is your faith. That is a thing that will not only get them through this life, but it is a thing that will transform them out of this life. Yes, yes. The anchor is hope, Hebrews 6, 19. Now we have this hope. What hope? That it's impossible for God to lie. And that the certainty of Jesus being there as a high priest. <laughs> yeah. You understand? It's impossible for God to lie. Every single word, every promise, every character study, every event that happened in there. It's just as certain as the air that you're breathing right now. And the other thing is that you need to make sure that you understand it is that Jesus Christ is your high priest. Anything that you have that you need help with, you go directly to Him. You enter into behind the holy curtain of God into His presence. And He is there. He is there to help you. Oh, if somebody would have been able to put those words into my life as a youngster. I'm telling you what. I think I could have had a bigger impact on my world. Jesus is there. And that hope that He is always going to be there. It cannot slip. It cannot break down under whoever steps on it. A hope that reaches farther and enters within the veil, the very presence of God. The anchor gives steadiness and security when the waves and the stormy waters are beating down on our lives we have that anchor of hope that is attached to a rock. The shipwreck of faith is well prevented by the strong anchor of hope. The shipwreck of faith is well prevented by the strong anchor of hope. But Paul says the greatest of them all, he says the greatest of them all is love. These three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. The Amplified Bible reads like this, faith being the conviction and the belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. Hope is the joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. And love is a true affection for God and man growing out of God's love for and in us and the greatest is love the writer Christian writer Barclay writes like this he says faith without love is cold hope without love is grim love is the fire which kindles faith and it is the light which turns hope into certainty we have three eternal influences. The legacy is your children's faith. That's the legacy that you ultimately leave behind. But I close with this. Is Brian, I don't know if he's still here or not. It's okay. Close with this. and You see... We're talking directly to the mothers because it's Mother's Day, but listen carefully. Sons and daughters, your legacy is how you honor 
your mother by the life that you live. That's your legacy. Your legacy is how you honor your mom by the life that you live. And is it still alive and well? as you pass it on to your children. You understand, is it? I could pick on a few, call out a couple of people here, listen. I know Brother Ryan, I hope you don't mind me mentioning, I believe that you just lost your grandfather not too long ago. My grandma. Grandma understand is it you as a grandparent do you know how much your grandmother loved you Ryan? Yes, sir. and I have heard how much you loved your grandmother was there a faith involved in that there was you understand is it as a grandparent I look at my grandchildren and Come on, yeah. I'm looking at my kids still. I say, come on. Paul said, Timothy, you got to remember, this thing first was found in grandma and mother, but you need to fan this thing. You need to stir that thing up on your own because grandma and mom, they were instrumental in giving you this great gift of faith. But now it is your turn to, to, to leave them a legacy. Grandma, I'm, I want you to... Can you imagine that Timothy's grandmother? I can't believe my son is like the adopted son to the Apostle Paul. What are you leaving? What story are you writing to honor your mom and your dad? Because you are their living legacy. Are you fanning your faith? Because that is the thing that will impact eternity. Sure, moms and dads, grandparents, Sure, you're proud of your kids and your grandkids when they do great feats, right? When they walk, when they come home with the trophy or when they get the career advancement and they make more money so that they can give more to the work of God. There's nothing wrong with that. But bottom line is this, right? Bottom line, Brother Block, is oh, what kind of a legacy are my children living in honor to me and my wife's faith? as you stand with us. Timothy, I'm so impressed with your faith, but I know it didn't start with you, son. You see, you had a head start with your grandma who imparted a deep faith to your mom who imparted this into your life. Lois, did you know that your grandson Timothy grew up to be the prodigy to the greatest evangelist that ever lived? No, I missed that. Oh, one day she will find out, won't she? She will find out. Was Paul's intention to get our focus on investing our time and energy and nurturing faith, hope, and love as these will benefit us not only in this present age, but through eternity? How much can you love? How deep is your faith? Amen. How tall can you grow in your faith? How much, how, how, how much can that mustard seed grow? How tall can that mustard seed grow in your life? A couple of years ago, you know, if you were here, we 
did that little bit of a challenge. Brother Tim, he just left, but he planted the mustard seed. We had a contest, and that little itsy-bitsy mustard seed that I carry in my Bible because that's what I'm doing this morning as I'm sowing seed into your life, seeds of faith. That little mustard seed grew into a plant this tall. Impossible. I know it is impossible, but all things become possible when you have faith. I just challenge you here today. And mothers, thank you for being here and uh, here this morning and all of us that are here today. But please understand that you, your, you are your parents' legacy. And you are in part your grandparents' legacy. They all had a hand in where you are right now today. And you and I, we need to live a life that is so on fire for God that one day when we walk those streets of gold, somebody's going to come up to you and they're going to say, Sister Vicki, you mean that was your son? Brother McCune, Sister McCune shared a little thing uh, Friday night. Section 3 had a little evangelistic outreach in the city of Prosser. And Brother and Sister McCune went there and uh, was involved in it. And he came back this morning. He says, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? He said, well, we're there in outreach. And we, we got a lady... She came, or you went to her? She, came to, she came to the thing. And uh, I, I don't know the, everything that was involved, but he says, and she knows you. You baptized her. <laughs> I said, what? Understand is that you don't know. You don't know. All you, but what you do know is that you're not here on your own. You are not here because of of your good looks and because of everything, you're here because somebody loved God enough that they said, my son, my daughter, they're going to get that thing that is called Jesus Christ within them and given them a solid rock to build their life. Unfeigned faith. If you would this morning, just if you would, we're going to ask you just to bow your heads here for just a couple of minutes and we're going to pray. And I know everybody's got things to do on Mother's Day, but we're going to give you an opportunity if you would like to come to the front. And if you would simply like to pray, maybe if your mother or grandparents still alive, how about you come and pray? Just call out their name in prayer. Amen. Or if you have a need today, we certainly want to give an opportunity. That, uh, to pray with you that the Lord would minister to you. But here we go. Would you just bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Jesus, for the faith that was delivered unto us, God. It's not something that we work for, Lord. It was the burden that men, parents, grandparents carried because they felt, Lord, that our souls, our souls, needed you desperately we thank you for every precious saint of god that is here today we thank you for every precious soul father we're praying this morning there may be some here today that have yet to break that cycle that there is yet somebody in their family that that uh, god that you're reaching for and they are they are lord that the focus of your attention because they're going to break that cycle of sin in their ancestry lineage and they are also God. They're going to lead the way. We're praying today. Touch us, Lord, and help each one of us. Help us to rekindle, God, that faith, that fire, Lord, that you, that you baptized us with, Lord. Oh, God, we love you today. We thank you today. In Jesus' name we pray. If you would like to come to the front, spend a few minutes in prayer, we invite you to do so. 
Amen. If you like to be dismissed, amen, you are dismissed in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you, Rich.